column about how dumb the Cleveland Browns are and how the Deshaun Watson acquisition is giving them exactly what's deserved, blowing up in their faces. How could you get that guy and give up three first-round picks and sign him into a deal worth $230 million, all guaranteed, before his legal situation got resolved? How could you do that? How could you be that D-U-M-B everyone's accusing me? Now Watson is up to 24 civil suits. The New York Times published a very creepy story. Among other indiscretion, Watson wanted his taint massaged. His taint, you know where that is. He wanted that massaged. I never thought of that as a pleasure center, maybe a, a, a bit risque, but at any rate, yikes. Peter King, America's best football writer, called this the distraction that keeps on distracting, but it's much worse than that. The Browns alienated Baker Mayfield. You can't bring him back, and he shouldn't want to. It's mystifying, except it's not because the Browns is the Browns, like Juju said. And forget the Ben precedent when Ben got four-game suspension for two cases of sexual misconduct, which were uh, never prosecuted criminally. If Ben got four games for two cases, that means Watson should get 48 games for 24 cases, but the real precedent might be Trevor Bauer. MLB gave Trevor Bauer two years. I don't expect Watson to play this year. I think... If he doesn't get suspended, that the investigation, the civil cases, they're going to drag out through this season. That's what kept Watson off the field at Houston last year. It's going to do the same thing with him at Cleveland this year. That's good news for the Steelers. They might finish third instead of fourth. Watson's contract is backloaded in terms of salary. He got a $44 million signing bonus. Think about that. The Browns gave him $44 million in one lump sum to drag them through raw sewage. Uh, Watson's first-year salary is only $1 million in case he gets suspended. But the NFL should just fine him a flat amount, $10 million or whatever. And then his dumbass lawyer says, well, a happy ending is okay if it's consenting adults and no money changes hands. Yeah, except she's getting paid for the massage, so how do you specify what's paid for what? And then the lawyer says he wasn't talking specifically about his client's case. Well, what case are you talking about then? Robert Kraft's? Tex Gill's? New World Order, brought to you by 84 Lumber, your hometown building partner, and by Armstrong, keeping you connected. I'd still like to talk primarily about the Live Golf Tour, but uh, that ain't stellar, so you probably don't want to.
What about those helmets, those Guardian helmet covers? Why aren't those warning games that they can reduce head contact by 20%? I don't get it. 412-333-WXDX. Okay. Bruce Cassidy got fired as the coach of the Boston Bruins. He was there six seasons. He made the playoffs six times. He made the Stanley Cup Finals once. The Brewers had 107 points this year. Is that good enough? Well, I guess it's not. Uh, A lot of Boston fans and hockey media are upset by the dismissal. And I can see why. I think it's scapegoating. Don Sweeney, the GM, is an idiot. Cam Neely, who works in their front office, actually he's above Sweeney. He's a bigger idiot. But they didn't want to fire themselves or each other, so they fired Bruce Cassidy. I mean, anybody who thinks the coach doesn't wrongly take the fall sometimes in any sport, every sport, boy, you're just not paying attention. And now there's a rumor out there that the Bruins might shop Pasternak, the winger who is arguably their best player. And he's no young guy either. I mean, no old guy. See, I'm trying to look stuff up as I talk. Okay, I've Googled Pasternak. I misspelled it the first time. Now you know why I'm stuttering, and he's 26 years old and just scored 40 goals. He has 240 goals in 510 games, so I wouldn't trade him, but you can't let your team get stale, and all this kind of relates to the Penguins. All this relates to what do you do with Latang and Malkin. All this relates to what happens with Mike Sullivan because his record compared to Cassidy's is, well, it's about parallel for the last five seasons anyway, in which the Penguins have won exactly one playoff series. you got to shake things up, and I'm not suggesting to fire Mike Sullivan, but I think, This next year, he's got to win a playoff series. And if he doesn't, then he's probably got to go. And if he misses the playoffs, then he's probably got to go. And that doesn't mean he's not a great coach. That doesn't mean he hasn't done a fine job here in Pittsburgh. It just means that the Penguins are, and I've been saying this for quite some time, they're stale. Okay, let me get this joke right uh, because I kind of mangled the punchline with Rupper. If the Rangers and Lightning go to Game 7 at Madison Square Garden, there's a Justin Bieber concert scheduled for the same night. But that's no big deal because Bieber's a Leafs fan, and the Leafs never show up for Game 7. There you go. Nailed it. And problem solved. Uh, A guy named Eric Nestorenko. That sounds like a name Stephen A. Smith would have a ball with, doesn't it? Eric Nestorenko. Uh, former Chicago Blackhawk, he passed away. He was the dad in Youngblood. He was Rob Lowe's dad in Youngblood. Remember, Rob Lowe quit junior hockey because it was too violent. He came home. His brother and dad lectured him, and his dad got on the ice and showed him how to fight. So Eric Nestorenko, RIP. Uh, I have sympathy for... For uh, the Nestorenko family, none for Nazem Kadri. 
Nazem Kadri was knocked out of the playoffs, a, a cheap shot, a boarding penalty by Evander Kane of the Oilers, who was suspended for game four, which turned out to be the last game the Oilers played as they were swept in the conference finals by Colorado. A lot of people saying that Evander Kane uh, showed his true colors by doing something stupid. I didn't think the hit was egregious. It was worth the game suspension, but, uh, you know, that wouldn't affect whether or not I want Evander Kane on my hockey team next year. The fact that he's been a dink and a dressing room killer his entire career up until this brief stint with the Oilers would make me not want to bring him back. But it looks like Nazem Kadri won't return for the playoffs, and to which I say good. I have no sympathy for that. I deplore cheap shots in hockey, but sometimes they get the right guy. And Nazem Kadri's a cheap shot some bitch, and I'm glad to see him get a taste of his own medicine. That bothers me absolutely not at all. But the big story, like Rupper and I talked about, is that uh, Jack Johnson, the much maligned, is in the Stanley Cup final. How you like that? 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. Uh, I was in Chicago last night. I, I went to Chicago uh, on Sunday, spent three days there, had a lovely time, went to Gibson's for steak, went to Wildfire for prime rib, Stan's Donuts, Fire Cakes Donuts. I went to Hooters, got to go to Hooters. And I went to see Robert Plant and Allison Krauss in concert. And it was very folky, very poppy, very energetic, but decidedly not like twangy countrified, but, but yeah, folky is the right word. And I never thought I'd go to a concert where Robert Plant featured where they did just as many Everly Brothers covers as they did Led Zeppelin covers. And the Zeppelin covers were really, like I said, folkied, folked up, as it were. Uh, rock and roll, the lead instrument was a fiddle. Uh, Levy Breaks was dialed way down, but but both were still real good. Battle of Evermore, they did faithfully, because there's a, a, a female singing part there, and Cross performed that very well. It was a very good show, it's just not like... I remember for the final encore, the guy next to me said, they're going to do cashmere. And I looked at him, I said, bro, he will not be doing cashmere ever again, let alone tonight. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. Your thoughts on live golf. If you're just tuning in, and we never talk about golf, but I find this so intriguing. If you're just tuning in, DeChambeau signed, Reed signed, Fowler signed, Mickelson signed, uh, Dustin Johnson signed. It's becoming one heck of a golf tour before an event's even been played. There's more money there. Why wouldn't you go there? Why wouldn't you take a big signing bonus like Dustin Johnson reportedly getting $125 million to just sign up? Uh, I know he lost some sponsors like Royal Bank of Canada. Who cares? Who cares? I don't know what Royal Bank of Canada was giving him. But it wasn't 125 million. 1059 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey Mark, how you doing? Doing really well. Everything I hear from him is just some of the most insightful stuff. And did you take off your pants? The X at 1059. The B team tweeted how the Steelers are gonna have an elite defense next year. Because they have elite players at every level. And they do. 
They did last year, too, when they finished 24th in overall defense and last in the league in run defense. And this year's defense has Miles Jack instead of Schobert, but Miles Jack ain't Jack Lambert. That is probably an upgrade, although keep in mind they're both Jacksonville rejects. They got Levi Wallace at corner instead of Joe Hayden. Or maybe Akella Witherspoon goes there. He thinks he's one of the top five cornerbacks in the NFL. He's usually not been among the top five cornerbacks on his team. He was a backup the past couple years. But people are now talking about him like he could be a top cornerback. It's amazing the optimism you can manufacture. And also, Alouawa is going to be back. I don't minimize the impact of that, but he is 35 years old. I just don't think this defense is going to be much better at all. The best chance that defense has is if T.J. Watt stays healthy and plays every game, which we all know ain't going to happen. The one guy on the B team, man, he used to be, like, really good. I, I had high hopes, and now he's just a yay Pittsburgh, yay football yahoo. Really disappointing when people, I mean, I know he thinks it's a formula, and it might be the right formula for ratings, but uh, I wouldn't do it. Truth is the best format, and uh, the Steelers have an elite defense this year. It could happen. It would be so against the odds. So against the odds. Uh, the Cleveland Browns told Baker Mayfield that he's excused for mandatory minicamp. Yeah, I I think that he wasn't planning on coming. Just a hunch. Uh, more football. Jack Del Rio, the defensive coordinator for Washington, he poo-pooed the George Floyd protests and called the July 6th insurrection a dust-up at the Capitol. Dude, it was an insurrection. It was an attempt at a coup. It never had a chance because everyone involved was a moron, but it was nonetheless an attempt at a coup featuring guys wearing hats procured from the Buffalo Lodge on the Flintstones, which is why I think we knew it didn't have a chance. Uh, Oh, by the way, one more thing about the the notion the Steelers are going to have an elite defense. When I when I uh, laughed at that notion on Twitter, people said, well, the offense put the defense in bad positions last year. Only in Pittsburgh, only in Pittsburgh does the offense get blamed when the defense sucks. All right, Jerry Dulac is going to be up next. We're going to talk about the Steelers and about the Live Golf Tour which I think is the best topic out there, but you guys don't think so because Steelers, quarterback, Trubisky, is he going to play? Which I actually will ask Jerry about, but then we'll talk about live golf. 105.9 The X. Yo, man. Hey, Mark, how you doing, fella? All hail Double M. Dun-dun, 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 dun-dun. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. My next guest is going to hit the Daily Double because we're going to talk about the Steelers training camp and about the live golf tour. Always a pleasure to talk to Jerry Dulac of the post Gazette. Jerry, what are the issues at Steelers uh, mini camp? I said training. I meant mini camp, which is ongoing 
Is it the quarterback value? Excuse me, the quarterback battle, and is it really a battle? You know, Mark, that's the one that's going to get the most attention, and understandably so, especially when you add a number one draft choice to that position. So that automatically uh, lends more intrigue. But then when you also go out and bring in a guy immediately in free agency, such as Mitch Trubisky, well, you know, that just adds just another layer of flavor to everything. Um, look, the season started tomorrow. I don't think there's any question Mitch Trubisky would be the starter. Um, but the question is going to come, where is Kenny Pickett's progress? And by that, I mean not so much to threaten Trubisky. And I'm not saying that won't, that won't happen, but I think more so are they comfortable with him being the number two quarterback? And then if that's the case, I, I don't see really any reason, I mean, beyond security, that they would keep Mason Rudolph when they probably feel – they could still get something for him. Um, and I don't think Mason Rudolph wants to be, after five years, wants to be the Steelers' number one quarter, uh, number three quarterback and go backwards. So, um, And, you know, you don't draft guys on the first round to sit around. Now, I understand they're not going to, maybe not going to immediately play Kenny Pickett, but I don't think they brought him in to be the third quarterback who's going to be inactive on game day either because that's just retarding his progress altogether. So I don't see that happening. Um, so that's why I think that the way it's going to play out, uh, the person with the most tenuous position is, um, is Mason Rudolph. But when you watch practice, even though they always say don't read too much into the reps, and I get that because I know they try to do different things, but when you look at the overall scheme of what they're doing, and, you know, who's getting a lot of the reps. Um, I think you can see that, uh, you know, uh, it is leaning uh, somewhat heavily towards Mitch Trubisky being the starter. Well, yeah, and, and I don't expect uh, Rudolph to, to even be on the team, assuming Pickett doesn't totally soil the batter camp. But, but I just wonder if – well, put it this way, Jerry. I would not have drafted Pickett because I think Trubisky can have a pretty good – uh, year here and maybe a pretty good tenure here if, if they give him a shot beyond just starting the beginning of this season but if he does do well then you got a situation like San Francisco with Garoppolo and, and Lance uh, I, I just think they have really I don't want to say mangled but it's not how I would have handled replacing Ben well Mark I, I, I agree with you 100% in my feelings of the bot. Uh, you know, what they should have done in the draft are well-documented. I mean, their whole draft got out of order when they took a quarterback, and I didn't think they needed to do that. Uh, it's nothing against Kenny Pickett. If he's the best of an average class, I think the NFL people proved that by the next quarterback going in the third round. I mean, the Steelers list, you know, each draft they go in, and for this one, drafting number 20, they listed the 20 top players that they would like to be able to get. And at least three of those top 20 were quarterbacks, Mark, which tells me their evaluation process uh, was kind of flawed. Either they are wrong or the rest of the league was wrong when you look how the quarterbacks were drafted uh, this year. Um, I thought, I, I'm not sure Kenny Pickett was any better than what they had. And again, I'm not picking on him. I just don't think it was what they needed. And here's what really gets me about all that is that they tried to trade up to get Kenny Pickett when they could have traded down to 31 if they wanted to, and still got him. But if you were willing to trade up 
and you so then you were willing to give up draft capital to move up in the draft, then to me, you move up in the draft to get a game-wrecking defensive lineman like Jordan Davis in Georgia, somebody who's going to help you, help your aging defensive line, and of course now in retrospect, look, the entire time they were uncertain about Stephon to its future. They didn't know if he was coming back or not the entire time, despite what people said. And then, of course, that proved to be true when he decided to retire uh, last week. So it's easy to say that in retrospect, but that was my feelings all along when you look at the age of that defensive line. So the idea that they drafted a quarterback in the first round, to me, was uh, I thought was unnecessary and flawed, and that's no reflection on Kenny Pickett. De- uh, Deontay Johnson showed up for minicamp. Is he going to get paid? Is he going to hold in? How's this going to play out? Mark, I don't think I think he's going to he's going to walk into a Juju Smith-Schuster situation. Um, you know, he'll go out in free agency. The Steelers, I, I just would be shocked if they gave him a, a a big contract. I just don't see that happening. Um, and so he'll then he'll maybe you know he'll want to try the free agent market. And I, I don't think he's not viewed as a number one receiver. He's viewed the way Juju Smith-Schuster is being is viewed as a number two receiver, as a complimentary receiver. And, you know, he'll get a nice deal, but he's not going to get one of those monster deals. And I think because the Steelers will, will be unwilling to do that, he'll try the market to see what he can get. And uh, I think he'll be disappointed uh, because I think he thinks he's a number one. He's, he's worthy of the money that's being tossed around. His numbers might suggest that. Go back and look at Juju Smith's uh, numbers in his second year, Mark. They were through the roof, uh, and yet he was just viewed as a guy whose opportunities came about because of Antonio Brown. So I don't know that it's going to be a whole lot different with Deontay Johnson. He's a really nice receiver, a productive receiver, but I don't see him getting that monster contract for the Steelers, and I don't really see the, the league handing that kind of money out to him, too, when they view him the way they do as a number two receiver. What are the real position battles for the Steelers? I don't see very many, Jerry. What What is going to change in that starting lineup depending on what happens at minicamp and training camp? You know, Mark, I said to me the only battle on the offensive line is whether they want to uh, use Kendrick Green or uh, Kevin Dotson as the other guard. And, and to me... Uh, I would say that would be Kendrick Green, um, but I don't think you're going to there. I don't think there's any uh, I, a notion that Kendrick Green might still play center. That's just not going to happen. I don't see that happening unless there's an injury. So um, offensively, that's really about it. George Pickens looks like the real deal, according to the guys I talked to, including the quarterbacks. Uh, we'll see how that plays out once they put pads on. Um, but he looks like a big-time guy. And, and, you know, Calvin Austin is just, boy, he just got the speed, Mark, uh, you know, elite speed. Uh, and he has those quick twitch fibers. You know, he, he, he gets open quick. And when he catches the ball, he accelerates. Um, but, you know, he's five foot eight, 170 pounds, so he's not very big. But I just think I see the only battle being at that guard spot and defensively. Um, I, I don't see a battle per se. The safeties are set. The linebackers are set. You know, depend on how they want to use the corners. I think Justin Lane's going to be in danger of losing uh, a roster spot. I think they're willing uh, to give James Pierre one more year to bounce back. 
Uh, you know, they brought in Levi Wallace. He'll, he'll likely be a starter. So I don't, I don't see a whole lot. I don't see any, quote, real position battles uh, on defense of, uh, you know, where it's going to be one guy or the other. We're talking to Jerry Dulac at the Post-Gazette here on the Mark Madden Show. Jerry, we've been talking about the Live Golf Tour. First off, it is Live, isn't it? I, I know that stands for 54, yeah. but it's being referred to as Live, correct? Yeah, but I, I also, Mark, I, I, whether it's just for convenience sake that they say live, or uh, I hear originally it was always the LIV golf series. So, um, but I see it referred to as live. I also say that from time to time just for the ease of, of saying it. But I, I think the initial uh, uh, intent of the name of the tour was LIV. Well, at any rate, um, I think the LIV tour is great for golf. I think it's great for the players. There's going to be a lot of, you know, PGA-related types putting it down, but uh, what's your take? Yeah, Mark, I think, well, I think ultimately the whole thing's going to end up in court um, because when the PGA Tour is going to try to restrict or ban players, uh, suspend players, but especially ban them from playing on the PGA Tour when they are 1099 subcontractors, you know, they're not employees of a professional sports team. Oh, there you they go. Are members of... They are members of a golf, uh, uh, you know, a golf tour, and so that's why these guys, Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, uh, you know, two more guys, Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Reed, uh, reportedly are leaving. They resign their membership from the tour, and so, you know, how long a shelf life does this new tour have? I don't know how they could continue to subsidize it without any big television money because there's none. Uh, and so if it lasts for a couple of years, these guys take the money and then they'll want to go back to the PGA Tour and the PGA Tour. What's the PGA Tour going to do, Mark? Tell Dustin Johnson, oh, I'm sorry, you're banned. We don't want you or you'll have to sit out of here or Bryson DeChambeau or Patrick Reed or, or even Phil Mickelson, you know, some of their biggest stars. They're just not going to do that. But I think I think the whole once the tour tries to enforce some type of ban or suspension, uh, and then tell these guys, no, you can't make a living on this tour, I think that's when you'll see it end up in court. It looks like the majors are going to let the guys play from LIV, doesn't it? Uh, the U.S. Open's already said that. Yeah, and Mark, they should because, uh, you know, they're not, I mean, while they're connected to the PGA Tour, they're not affiliated with the PGA Tour per se. Um, you know, they have no contractual obligation to the PGA Tour, the US, USGA, which runs the U.S. Open, they came out and said, look, they'll all publicly say, well, we support the PGA Tour, but, you know, if these guys qualify for their championship, which they do, they're saying they're, they're allowed to compete. They take players from all over the world, all different tours anyway, anyhow, if they qualify for their tournament, whether it's through their performance or whether they actually go out and qualify. The Masters is the same way. The PGA of America is the same way. They're not going to deny those guys the opportunity to come compete uh, because they'll, you know, they'll basically what they're doing, Mark, at this point is saying to the PGA Tour, hey, that's your battle. You settle that, but we're running our championship, and if these guys are eligible to play in our championship, they're going to be allowed to play in our championship. How long will the LIV last? You 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 seem to think uh, a comment a few minutes back that it wouldn't last long. I don't know, Jared. They have a bottomless pit of money. I'm not sure what their end game well, is, that, but but they can they can keep it going as long as it has to as as they want to rather. And I think they're going to get well, network interest. Well, 
Mark, you're right about that. Um, they, it's a, it's a bottomless pit of, of cash. I, you know, witness the fact that they're going to pay Phil Mickelson 200 million and, and Dustin Johnson, 150 million. There'll be no television revenue for now. I don't know. I really don't know. Look, the networks are in bed with the PGA tour. So unless they break a contract, which they, they won't, I mean, they can't right now. I don't see, uh, I don't, I don't see a huge appeal mark to be perfectly honest in the types of events they're putting on. Uh, they're, they're are obviously investing a lot of hope and money, of course, in that this thing is going to work. Um, and it's for entertainment purposes. Um, but I just don't know how long they'll continue to subsidize something that doesn't have, another source of revenue in the form of television. And I just don't see unless Fox jumps on board because NBC and CBS are tied into the PGA tour with big contracts. I don't see that changing. Um, ESPN is tied in with them at the masters and uh, a few other events. Uh, So I'm not going to sit here and speak to the contractual obligation that these networks have. But as long as they're affiliated with the tour, I don't PGA tour. I don't see them. I don't see them going and televising, you know, a handful of these events uh, because I don't, you know, I just don't know that the interest is going to be there. We're going to find out as this thing goes forward. Uh, I said earlier that every rival league and every sport has ultimately had benefit to the sport, whether it's the World Hockey Association, the ABA, the AFL. Do you think that's going to happen here with LIV? And what trickle-down could there be that ultimately benefits the sport? Well, I think, it, I think it can benefit the players because we're seeing that financially. One of the reasons the tour instituted this, um, this uh, program last year that rewards players for their social media presence, their interaction with the fans, their popularity, you know, their Q rating, um, you know, they put that in last year as a way to combat these other tours coming on and paying these guys money to come play. So quite naturally, Tiger's going to win that poll every year, even if he doesn't play, which he did last year. Phil Mickelson's going to come in second. Rory McIlroy and Jordan Spieth are going to come in third and fourth. Ricky Fowler's going to come in fifth because they're the most popular guys, but they're being rewarded for their popularity by the PGA Tour. And that is definitely, Mark, an offshoot of these rival tours trying to that are trying to pop up and move forward. So it's definitely going to benefit the players, just as those other leagues, uh, uh, rival leagues and those other sports did. But, Mark, you know, how, again, they didn't sustain themselves very long. And they weren't in – I mean, while they – they were never really in direct competition with the, made, with the bigger leagues. I don't think they're trying to compete with the PGA Tour – they're just trying to offer an attractive alternative to, uh, you know, what they say, of course, to grow the game and spread the popularity. And for the most part, that's what they're trying to do. But, Mark, as we know, all sports, everything in this world is all about money. And that's what this is about, too. Um, I think it's going to build interest in the majors, Jerry, especially after a while, because now, like, you know, Rory McIlroy versus Dustin Johnson is only going to be something you see at the majors. Well, that's true, Mark, and, and that that is also part of the premise of what this league, the LIV Golf Series, wanted to do was they their their ideal view was to get the top players in the world and have the top players in the world 
compete against one another because the vast majority of the time on the PGA Tour, the best players in the world, other than the majors in these World Golf Championships, they aren't competing against one another because they're not playing in all these events. And that's ideally what this rival league wants to do. Get the best players, which they haven't been able to do, but get the best players and have them play against each other on a somewhat regular basis. However, you know, they're only playing eight events this year. Originally, it was supposed to be 14. You know, it's never going to be as big as the PGA Tour in term of, terms of number of events. Um, but, yeah, that's that, that same intrigue that you mentioned is exactly what uh, the LIV is hoping to create. And, you know, Mark, these, the World Golf Championships, where, which are a step below the majors, they came about for the very same reason. They had these, and they were paying appearance fees to get the top players in the world to come play in their events for that reason. And finally, they came to an agreement Look, that, look, this will be part of the PGA Tour schedule on a regular basis. And so you have your majors, you have the players' championship, and right below that you have three or four world golf championships, which were designed with the same principles in mind as the LIV Golf Series, except it just became universally accepted by the PGA Tour, and now it's for their bigger events right behind the majors. Jerry, great stuff. Thank you for the expertise as always. We'll talk again very soon. Mark, always good chat with you. That's Jerry Dulac. Great Steeler talk. Great golf talk. It's the Daily Double. Okay. Uh, wait to hear some of these ratings for the Easter Conference Final, the NHL. And uh, apparently Pasternak at Boston, there's been talk of trading him. Apparently there's more to that story than meets the eye. We'll talk about that just a moment here on 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan, big fan. Hashtag best in the world. You are the super genius. <laughs> I'll say. And then some. The X at 105.9. We were talking earlier about somebody on, on the B team saying the Steelers are going to have an elite defense, even though it's basically the same defense as last year, which finished 24th overall and dead last in run defense. Uh, now... By way of response, a couple dimwits on Twitter are saying Brian Flores is going to make the difference, the assistant coach. Yeah, he's an assistant coach working under a coordinator, and that coordinator, Terrell Austin, always sees his authority and decision-making usurped by the head coach. So how much difference is Brian Flores really going to make? And some people pointed at Mike Munchak. Mike Munchak didn't make that much difference when he was the offensive line coach, he just had a really good group of offensive linemen. And people thought the O-line fell apart when he left. No, the O-line aged out partly when he left and it got a bunch of inferior talent when he left. Assistant coaches in football, any sport really, just don't make that much difference. And usually, and I believe this is going to be the case with Flores, they'll listen to him. He got a job for reasons beyond coaching, but he is a good coach. They will listen to him, but but his uh, decision-making will be zero. Honestly, his decision-making will be zero. But I get it. All y'all want to do is try to invent a way the Steelers can be good, and they're just not going to be. Going to be real mediocre, 7-10, and 8-9 tops, but closer to 6-11 and 11 than 8-9 than in my book, but... Whatever you need to tell yourself 
to feel better about the upcoming season, you go right ahead and do that. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call up. By the way, it was pointed out on Twitter, this is true, that the Saudis don't care how much money they lose on LIV golf because they're trying to rehabilitate their image through running it. It's called sports washing. And it's practiced like, uh, 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 I believe, a Dubai conglomerate owns Manchester City. It's the use of governmental money to heighten your image through sports ownership. And, yeah, that is definitely a big part of this with LIV Golf. And, again, it'll stay alive as long as the Saudis wanted to because they do indeed have a bottomless pit of money. I got to make fun of this, even though I'll probably get some stick for making fun of it. And I won't mention the the place's name because I think they have other locations throughout Pittsburgh. But there's a fudge shop, a restaurant that's that's, uh, known for being a fudge shop on the south side. It closed because of the shooting spree on the south side. A lot of guns being fired on the south side. And they announced the closing on D-Day. On the same day when uh, American kids jumped out of landing craft directly into German machine gun fire on the biggest day in the country's military history, a fudge shop got closed on the south side because they didn't want to put their employees in harm's way. If you don't want to put your employees in harm's way, don't be open at midnight. I think they stayed open till 1130. But, you know, close earlier. You know, I know it's bad, but it's like, it's not as, I think how bad it is is overblown. That said, I don't go down there. I know other places to get fudge. I go to the other end of the south side where Archie's is and Chupka's is, but uh, I just felt it was it was funny that that announcement came on the anniversary of D-Day. Just like I thought it was hilarious. Absolutely laughable that uh, when it became known that those playing in LIV golf would be ineligible for the Ryder Cup, because that's a PGA event. And people were talking about how these golfers can give up the chance to represent their country. Like swinging a nine iron is in any way representing your country. Even Herb Brooks said that 1980 was just a hockey tournament. It wasn't a morality play on ice as I believe Newsweek famously described it. The Ryder Cup is just golf. You're not representing your country. You're choosing teams based on nationality. And there's a big difference And to complain about these guys passing up the chance to, quote, unquote, represent their country on the anniversary of D-Day, like I said, incredibly laughable. And I'm sorry I wasn't on the air for D-Day to salute those guys like I'm going to do right now. Because the people who served America on D-Day, the baddest MFers in the history of MFing. Nobody comes close. Whoever's second, it's a fair distance below. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call up. A couple other hockey notes. Uh, The Rangers-Tampa series has averaged 2.24 million viewers after four games. 
That's up 61% from last year's Eastern Conference Final, which had Tampa Bay against the New York Islanders. Not the Rangers, but the New York Islanders. And that just goes to show you that the Rangers are the real New York team uh, by a considerable distance. Uh, Game 4 had 2.34 million viewers on average, so those are pretty good numbers for hockey. I am sure that uh, ESPN has to be totally pleased with that number. And uh, we've been talking about Boston firing Bruce Cassidy, the coach, and how his last six seasons has seen them make the playoffs six times, got 107 points this year, made one final, but but really not consistent playoff impact, which is what counts. And it makes you wonder about Sullivan's future here in Pittsburgh. You know, although I do think Sullivan uh, deserves at least one more year, but if, if they don't make the playoffs or go out in the first round again, then I wonder, and that wouldn't reflect poorly on him as a coach, it just means that they need a new voice. Because coaches, and especially in hockey, coaches uh, hit a sell-by date. But in Boston, Cassidy got fired, and there's a rumor they're looking to shop uh, Pasternak, who's uh, who's who's um, 28. I looked it up, and now I forget. Uh, pardon me, 26 years old. And I don't think they're going to trade a bit. You know one reason it's being talked about? He might not sign a new contract because he's upset they got they got rid of or, or let walk some of his friends. Like Tori Krug, the defenseman whose wife is super hot, saw her at Matt Bartkowski's wedding. Uh, I'd be more upset about letting her walk than letting him walk. But uh, he, he left for free agency to St. Louis. And they let Krejci go back to the Czech Republic. You know, it, it's not hockey friends, it's hockey business. But we see that more and more, where every player just wants his buddies to play in perpetuity. And and if not, maybe I don't want to stick around either. And I, and I say that because we could. I don't think so. I hope not, but we could be facing a similar situation here in Pittsburgh at some point. Let's go to Rick in Brighton Heights. Rick, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, just a quick question about the golf tour. What are these players resigning from? Because I never know that they signed on. Well, Jerry Dulac, Jerry Dulac brought up a real good point. Yeah, they're members of the PGA. And, and they're independent contractors. Not, they're not employees right. of, of, the, of the PGA. But they do have a membership card on the tour. But the fact that they are uh, independent contractors uh, leads me to believe that it would be awful tough for guys who are in the PGA – It'll be tough for the PGA to keep them from playing in between LIV events if that's what those players want to do because they're independent contractors. And these tours are going to need these players. They're going to need these Shambos. I mean, the PGA Tour is going to need these marquee players. So, I mean, it's a win-win for both of these. I don't know that they lost. DeChambeau's a marquee player, but do you think they lost any players that would move the needle in terms of TV ratings so far? Dustin Johnson, I would say. Uh, I mean, uh, Mickelson for the senior events and for the majors that he didn't defend. Yeah, but Mickelson's going to play in the majors anyway because the majors are a separate entity. So I think the biggest loss so far is DeChambeau. I didn't say the best golfer. I think the bigger loss, biggest loss for the PGA in terms of moving the needle. Thank you for the call. Just around the corner, going to talk about Steeler Humility here on 105.9 The X.